Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Welcome to the ITB Study Smarter series. I'm Patrick Beeman, your host. Today we're picking up where we left off. It's me and Greg Rodden, host of the Physiology by Physio podcast, our newest podcast, which you should go rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help us increase our rankings and be able to serve you better. Uh, plus, it has you know high-yield reviews of physiology-related stuff, including the past two episodes, which we're trying to coordinate with our Study Smarter series because they are on muscles and nerves and touch on you know things like bones, so they're kind of musculoskeletal-related. Um, on the main podcast, don't forget about that. We have our audio blog series and some interesting interviews uh, coming up. Um, the audio blog features content from Med School Tutor's awesome blog and has articles that we read, like the USMLE question breakdowns, as well as advice on study habits and approaching the end of your dedicated study period for step one, or I guess really any USMLE step or complex uh, level. Uh, so here we go. We'll get right into it with our next question. A 65-year-old man comes to the office because of deep, dull pain in his hip that is constant throughout the day and sometimes worse at night. He says that he has also increased in shoe size in the recent years and has progressively lost hearing from both ears. Medical history includes a prior admission for a renal stone about a month ago. Workup reveals an isolated increase in alkaline phosphatase levels. Which of the following pathologies is most often associated with the underlying disease that this patient has? Is it A, giant cell tumor, B, metastatic bone tumors, C, osteoporosis, or D, osteosarcoma? Well, let's look at this. So that first line was 65-year-old dude comes to office with deep, dull pain in his hip that's constant throughout the day and sometimes worse at night. So most of that, you can just be like, all right, that's not that helpful. It's not going to specify anything and help you get to an answer, um, except that, you know, he's 65 and he's got bone pain. Well, he's also telling you his shoe size has gotten bigger um, and that his hearing has gotten worse. Finally, 
he has had um, kidney stones and has an elevated alkaline phosphatase. So all those things together um, point you to a diagnosis of Paget's disease of the bone. And Paget's disease is associated with osteosarcoma. So our answer here is D, osteosarcoma. That being said, uh, what do we see when somebody has Paget's disease of the bone? Uh, okay, so a couple a couple things that are really classic um, in this story is that he he noticed that his uh, shoe size has been increasing over the past few years, and he's progressively lost hearing from both ears. So um, if you see that, you should probably immediately be thinking about Paget's disease. They also give you some of his labs. And so in the workup, they found that he has an elevation of alkaline phosphatase alone. And there's like this chart in, I'm pretty sure there's a chart in first aid that talks about how like with osteoporosis, all the labs are going to be normal. With Paget's disease, uh, you're only going to have an elevation of alkaline phosphatase. With hyperparathyroidism, you're going to have uh, elevated blood calcium, low blood phosphate, blah, blah, blah. So that helps to clue you in about the diagnosis based on the bone formation labs and like calcium and phosphate and alkaline phosphatase and PTH levels and that kind of stuff. So understanding the nature of Paget's disease is going to be, is going to be important for you for the boards. So Paget's disease is really interesting where it's this, uh, disorder of bone remodeling where initially the osteoclasts go crazy and then the osteoblasts decide to join the party and go crazy. And then finally the osteoclasts tire out and it's just the osteoblasts really ramping up their activity. The reason that you see the elevated alkaline phosphatase levels is because of this increased bone turnover activity that's going on in Paget's disease. And, and in part because the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts are, um, so hyperactive that predisposes to the primary bone tumor of osteosarcoma. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that, that you're going to want to know for the boards. Like I said, because the osteoblasts and osteoclasts are going crazy in this disease, eventually you can see, um, thickening of the skull and thickening of other bones. Um, hence you can see that like the patient's rings don't fit anymore and their hat size is increasing or their shoes don't fit anymore. Um, additionally, because the bones in the skull are growing, you can also get different regions, uh, where nerves pass through, like the, the various foramen in the skull can get closed down. Um, for example, the auditory foramen, uh, can clamp down on cranial nerve eight and then that can result result in uh, hearing loss, sensory neural hearing loss. So that's, uh, that's another thing about Paget's disease of bone that uh, you'll definitely want to remember. All right. Uh, what else from this question can we take away? I think that those are the major points uh, to know about with Paget's. And then I don't think that we need to go over the other answer choices. Okay, cool. Um, I guess the only thing I would mention since it's actually related to my field is, is, um, alkaline phosphatase. So it's, it's elevated here. That's bad. Um, it's also elevated in pregnancy to a great degree, uh, because, uh, the, the placenta 
uses it or makes it or however that works. So pretty regularly, almost like without fail, um, I see a patient with an elevated alkaline phosphatase um, on their lab work and less frequently, but still happens somewhat often, get a call from, uh, you know, a colleague in a different specialty. It would be like, does this patient have Paget's disease? Usually it's not that specific, but um like, nope, that's their placenta. So, oh yeah, that is true. I have a commentary from an observer uh, here who's saying, also don't forget that it is associated with um, like cholestasis or uh, obstructive type jaundice. True, true. Yeah, alkaline phosphatase is used in both bone and the biliary system. All right, that's enough about that one. Let's, ooh, this is a good one. I like this. All right, interrogatory first. What is the most likely underlying malignancy? See, I remembered this time. Uh, Now our vignette, a 69-year-old man comes to the emergency department because of a chief complaint of low back pain and progressive lower leg weakness. The back pain has been occurring for the past three months, and the uh, lower extremity weakness started approximately one week ago. Uh, He was recently, according to him, diagnosed with cancer uh, and declined treatment uh, in favor of essential oils. Um, no, just kidding. I added that. Uh, a bone scan shows osteoblastic lesions in the spine. And reminder, what is the most likely underlying malignancy? It's like real life. We got cell phones going off. Um, uh, what are the pertinent, like, positives, negatives for this vignette, Greg? Uh, sure. So one, um, the age and gender are, um, are important to note. A 70 year old man, he also, his chief complaint, which is low back pain that's been getting worse and low back pain with, uh, with lower leg weakness. So that's, that's a sign that, you know, this might not just be regular old mechanical back pain of an old guy and it's the board. So there's something crazy going on all the time. <laughs> Additionally, let's see, he, he also told us that he was diagnosed with cancer, so that helps. And then the bone scan as well. That's where the money is on this one. Yeah, yeah. The, the results of the bone scan showing osteoblastic lesions in the spine will help you to differentiate between the different answer choices. The, ideally, you're able to come up with a, an answer without looking at the actual answer choices because every uh, appropriate board question needs to cover the or satisfy the cover the answers test and actually i would know this one um i think osteoblastic lesions um prostate cancer which is the correct answer the other answers were breast cancer which was a b renal cancer c lung cancer and then d prostate cancer, which is our answer. Prostate cancer is the answer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. How to approach this. So of these answer choices, is this um, answer the correct one, prostate cancer, because it's the only one that causes osteoblastic lesions in uh, on a bone scan? Well, that is a very good question, Patrick. It's a leading question. Technically, no. Um, breast cancer can also cause uh, osteoblastic bone lesions when it metastasizes to bone um, as well. Uh, however, uh, given the guy's age, um, and we don't hear anything about, you know, things that would predispose him to having breast cancer, it's much more likely for him to have prostate cancer than it is to have breast cancer. So the most likely underlying diagnosis is prostate cancer. Additionally, prostate cancer, if it's going to go to bone, is most likely going to go to the lumbar spine. So again, that kind of leans us towards prostate cancer over breast cancer here. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. What else about this one? I mean, I think actually what, what you would want to take away and, and carry with you on test day is prostate cancer, blastic lesions of the bone. Totally fair. Um, and also all of the answer choices that are given, breast cancer, renal cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer, those are all cancers that classically will metastasize to the bone in contrast to like a GI cancer that will uh, that will most likely metastasize to the liver given the uh, blood flow through the hepatic portal vein to the liver. Um, so for these these types of cancers in the answer choices, they're commonly going to go to bone. Cool. I like that one. It was short and sweet. All right. Uh, your turn. Next question. Uh, I'll try to do this one right. Okay. So which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management of this patient? All right. Now the vignette is a 60-year-old man comes to the clinic because of a recently developed fever and pain in his right foot. He has a history of poorly controlled diabetes, type 2 diabetes. His most recent A1C was 9.5%. His temperature in the clinic is 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Pulse is 88 respirations are 20, and blood pressure is 142 over 76. Physical exam shows that his right foot has a 2.5 centimeter ulcer on the lateral aspect of the fifth metatarsal. Radiograph of the right lower extremity is unremarkable. So again, which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management of this patient? Antibiotics. Boom. Oh wait, no, we forgot to summarize it. Man, I cannot follow my own schema. Uh, all right, so just to summarize, 58-year-old guy, uh, fever and uh, foot pain. Uh, he's got diabetes as part of his history, and it's poorly controlled. Uh, the rest of his vitals are essentially normal, except for a mildly elevated blood pressure. Physical exam positive for an ulcer on his foot with a an x-ray that doesn't tell you much. So which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? My knee-jerk reaction is uh, antibiotics. And to just go over the uh, answer choices, we have A, intravenous fluids, B, insulin, C, IV vancomycin, or D, oral clindamycin. 
All right, so good. Antibiotics. Um, that was my knee-jerk reflex as far as an answer goes, but that's uh, that leaves us with two choices, IV vancomycin and deoral clindamycin. What if I got so far as to be like, I know it's going to be antibiotics. These other things aren't addressing uh, the concerns. I'm going to rule out IV fluids because um, that's not going to treat the pain. It's not going to treat the temperature. Um, he's not, it doesn't appear he's in septic shock because his pulse is 88. So scratch IV fluids. Um, insulin, uh, giving this dude insulin, same thing. It's not going to help his foot pain. His A1C is already 9.4. Giving him insulin today is not going to fix any of that. Um, it's not going to fix his fever, so I'm ruling that out. And so I'm left with Vank and uh, Clinda. Uh, so if I'm uh, stuck between those two, I've whittled the answers to um, just those choices. Where do I go from here? So uh, I think you're thinking definitely along the right lines there. And clinically thinking about this, you now need to consider, all right, what underlying infection do you think that he most likely has, right? Because that's going to guide what kind of antibiotics you're going to be throwing at him. So given his type 2 diabetes, he has a lesion over his right fifth metatarsal, he has a fever. What are you thinking about, Patrick? Osteomyelitis. Osteomyelitis. Uh, I completely agree with that. So now we need to think, all right, would IV vancomycin be more be a better option for osteomyelitis? Yes. Or would oral <laughs> or would oral uh clindamycin um be be the better option? I think this comes down to how well a drug will penetrate the area um that that is infected. Um and the nature of the infection itself. And osteomyelitis is one of those infections that is way serious and has a um, way involved um, sort of uh, treatment course with respect to antibiotics. This isn't your, um, I have a little bit of dysuria. Can I have some nitrofurantoin uh, for three to seven days? It's, you know, you got to get high levels of the drug into um, the area surrounding the infection to kill it off. And um, that, and of course, the characteristics of the most likely bugs too. But yeah, exactly. So, um, so you're thinking about it absolutely the right way. So we need to give this guy powerful antibiotics, right? He is uh, partly immunosuppressed given that he has poorly controlled type 2 diabetes and he's got a fever. So we're, we're pretty sure that he's infected. What he needs, like you said, is antibiotics. Additionally, uh, we need to be thinking about the bugs that, uh, that can cause osteomyelitis. Now, absolutely, the number one cause of osteomyelitis is going to be Staph aureus. However, we also need to be thinking about other bugs that can cause osteomyelitis in diabetics. Um, namely, we want to be thinking about pseudomonas. 
the the answer choices didn't go over that. Really, they were focusing more on staph aureus coverage with vancomycin, with IV vancomycin. But in addition to uh, staph aureus coverage, we particularly uh, MRSA coverage, we would also want to cover for uh, Pseudomonas. So he would likely be getting more than one IV antibiotic in this case. Um, to cover for Pseudomonas, you could use other agents like cefepime or levofloxacin or mirapenem or piptazo, um, one of those kinds of things. Let me ask. So his x-ray was normal. It didn't help us as far as coming to this diagnosis goes. But before when we were discussing kind of imaging findings related to bone uh, diseases, focal necrosis surrounded by sclerotic bone was the finding uh, typical on um, radiographs for osteomyelitis. Um, you know anything about that? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm I'm really glad that you brought that point up, um, kind of tying us back into one of the earlier questions that we covered. Uh, so an X-ray for osteomyelitis early on is going to have low sensitivity. You're probably going to be pimped on that at some point in your clinical career. What the uh, explanation here for this question said was that you can usually notice it by about seven to 14 days after the infection starts with a, with an x-ray. Um, however, if you really want to know, um, if you really want to know early on with imaging, whether your patient has osteomyelitis, MRI is going to be the best tool to show you that. Um, additionally, you can, there, there is also like another clinical test that you can use, uh, called the bone probe test. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you can directly probe the bone with like a little, uh, metallic looking probe thing, then you know that your patient has osteomyelitis. Like if you can see the bone, uh, from outside, that ain't normal. <laughs> so we're going to just say this patient has osteomyelitis. We're not going to mess around with it and say, Oh, well, we didn't see anything on the x-ray. So, you know, it must not be osteomyelitis. We're, we're going to assume that the patient has full-blown acute osteomyelitis, and they need powerful IV big guns like vancomycin. All right. Thanks, Greg. Uh, we will pick this up and have you back for more. And in the meantime, you guys need to go subscribe to Physiology by Physio and listen to the first episode, um, which is... Starting Strong with Muscles which is starting strong with muscles. And what else do we have planned for that in the upcoming uh, weeks and months? Uh, yeah, so I'm planning to do a couple episodes uh, dedicated to each of the major organ systems. Um, and I'm planning to get at least one episode out uh, a week. That's that's the goal. Um, so the next one that we've got coming up is going to be on the neuromuscular junction. I'm really excited to release that one. Um, and then after that, we're going to be doing some cardio, then some renal, and then my memory is failing me. So, but I'm I'm really excited to get everything out there. I'm really excited to get some feedback, and I'm just happy to join the team. The way we've tried to set this up, it's it's not going to be perfect, but like on the Study Smarter series, um, you know, presently this this week or section, we're doing uh, some musculoskeletal stuff, and that corresponds to the release schedule for uh, the physiology podcast, and then uh, we'll likely do um, cardiac uh, as our our next section and and your episodes related to. Um, cardiology on the physiology podcast will, will release around that same time as well. So 
dive in, learn on the go for free and tell your friends and subscribe to the podcast and review Physiology by Physio so that Greg can, um, you know, get to number one on iTunes. That'd be pretty cool. That concludes this episode. If you like the question dissections we do, go download the Inside the Boards iOS beta app. Subscribe to the audio QBank. I mean, it's really good for study on the go, and we've worked very hard on it, and you guys have been patient and supporting us, um, and we'd really appreciate you signing up for a subscription, giving us your feedback so that we can make the full-scale cross-platform app with Android even better, add new features, and make it a very robust, in fact, the best tool to study on the go. The Step 1 version is powered by Exam Circle and Lecturio, and the Step 2 version is powered by Online MedEd. So if you want audio-optimized questions that uh, give you tidbits of information that you can take with you on exam day to score more points and to shore up your knowledge, you got to download it and, and subscribe. It's as simple as that, and of course, I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Until next time.